Father, we uh, are humbled to come into your presence because uh, we are mere men and women, and we uh, um, could never fix ourselves. We could never supply ourselves with what we need. We need you for every part of our life. We need you to, to forgive us for our sin. We need you to transform us and cleanse us in the way that we're living our lives. Lord, we want to live our lives for nothing but for your glory. We want to surrender every part of who we are and what we do into your hands. Uh, because when we take control back, we make a mess of our lives. And, and Lord, we, we're just tired of not being used for your kingdom as much as we could be. Uh, Lord, we want to surrender more. We want to see you glorified more. We want to become less so that you can become more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I fancy myself a smart person sometimes. Um, but one time I was proven to be not so smart. Uh, have you ever been surfing the internet and, and then a, a virus uh, software advertisement comes up and you're like, huh, that's a good idea to install this random pop-up virus software. Is that a good idea? No? no? Oh, well, one day I thought that was a good idea. Dana and I were working on her old computer and it was running slow and I was like, it must be a virus. Let's download some virus software. So this is how I type and we were... Um, we went cruising the internet to find some virus software. You remember this? And all her pictures were on her hard drive, and everything she owned was on this computer. And I'm just typing away, and I'm, oh, I found a good one. It's, it looks so legit, right? And I even said, I don't want to get a virus, right? So we probably have a virus. So anyway, I install it, and I push clean my <laughs> computer, and it started, it said, deleting hard drive, <laughs> and it just deleted the entire hard drive, deleted everything. It was a bad day, and we were just like, no, wait, what, no, no, oh, stop, stop, yes, we had no idea what was going on, and it was such a sad, sad day. Yeah. But I've learned that antivirus software is actually important to have, so... Um, Antivirus software is great because it does two things. It shows you the problem. You know, you, you, you run the real stuff. Don't get the fake stuff. You run the real stuff, and it, it does two things. It shows you the problem. So it gives you a list. This is all the horrible viruses you have. Like, I'm going to nuke your hard drive.com and, and whatever the names of these horrible viruses are. And it shows you the list right there. And it shows them right to you. Like, look how dirty you are. Look how terrible you have been and the web has defiled you. And then there's another button that says destroy viruses. And you push the big red button that says destroy viruses. And it, it goes through and it takes a hammer inside your computer and it just smushes all the viruses. It destroys them. It does something, right? <laughs> there's like a series of tubes somehow involved and... I don't know exactly how it all works. But that's how it's supposed to work, not the way that I, like, you know, where you install another virus and it, it does, oh, man, it's just, it's supposed to show me the problem and then it's supposed to fix the problem for me because I don't know how to fix anything on computers. I don't know how to fix it. 
I don't understand how to find malicious code. I don't even know how to change it into correct code. I don't even know what code is. So, but I know that there's a tool out there that will do all of this for me. And in our study today, we're going to learn about the bronze laver, and we're going to see that it is this tool for us spiritually. Does anyone know what a laver is? What is it? It's a big bowl. 50 Jesus points for you. We didn't prearrange that or anything. So (laughs) a laver is not a commonly used uh, word in English these days. We don't say, go grab that laver for me from the kitchen. But uh, a laver is just a big bowl. But we're going to say today that it's a tool. It's a tool that is going to do two things. It's It's designed to show us a problem, our problems, and then it's going to fix the problems for us. What a great tool. It's like the way antivirus software is supposed to be. So let's uh, actually start in Psalm 24. I'm going to read a verse for you in Psalm 24. It says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. This verse teaches us and shows us that, that in order to experience communion with God, we have to have clean hands, a pure heart. Our life has to kind of mesh with God and his holiness and his purity. God desires fellowship with us, uh, but he's still God. And we must be holy if we're to stand in the presence of a holy God. All right, so communion with God is different than getting saved or being forgiven. Let's, let's establish that real quick. Communion with God is our, our daily interchange of relationship where we're, we're talking with him, we're hearing his voice. That's like the pinnacle of human existence is when we have communion with God. We're talking with him and we're, we're engaging with him. When we go through our lives and we're just ourselves, we're just thinking ourselves, we're, we're entertaining ourselves, we're doing what we want. That is a, a lower form of life. It's a lower value of life because communion with God is what we were created to be. So communion with God is different than just being saved. It is, it is a constant, continual relationship. That's what we're talking about today. And communion in the, in the tabernacle, Matt, could you pull up a picture of the tabernacle that we had, like the video thing? Communion hap- is described for us as we've been studying the tabernacle. We've been going through all these different parts of the tabernacle. Communion with God happened in the holy place. That's the holy place right there, in the tent, okay? And this bronze laver that we're going to learn about today, it stands right outside the entrance to that tent, right outside it so that the priests had to use or could use this laver, this bronze laver, every time that they entered into the holy place, into God's presence, into communion with God, they would pass right by this. In fact, they had to step right around it because it was right in front of the door. They had to use this every time they went into So what would they use it for? They would use it for two things, to show them the problems and to fix the problems in their daily walk, in their, we'll see. So one question, 
I thought we, they were already forgiven because, and clean because of the blood of the altar. So if we were back to back up and look at the entire tabernacle, you would have the, the big bronze altar. We learned about that. What did they do at the bronze altar? They sacrificed animals, right? And the blood got everywhere and the priest said it smeared all over them. And so then they're walking into fellowship with God and God says, okay, now I want you to wash. I want you to wash in the water of the, um, the bronze laver. So that first altar, the altar where they sacrifice that, that teaches us about justification. And justification is a big fancy way of saying starting out with God, where you get saved, where you get born again, where you realize I'm a sinner and Jesus' blood is what brings us justification. When we believe that his sacrifice was for me, I am saved. When you believe and trust in it like that. Okay? Today, we're going to be learning about something called sanctification, which is our daily experience of becoming more holy or more Christ-like in our everyday lives. And this, so this is going to teach us about this practical change that is, he says here, it's required for us to enjoy God's presence or go into the Holy of Holies and hang out with him inside the, the tent and doing all the things that we learned about with the bread and the lamp and the incense and prayer and being in God's very presence. All of that, he says, what's required is that you are going through this sanctification process. You're being transformed into a holy lives. This is going to be a great tool. So let's go ahead and read our text from Exodus chapter 30, and then we'll explain it, and then we'll kind of see what it means for us as we as we get to the end. So the text says, verse 17 of chapter 30, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze, with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. It's a big deal. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and to his descendants throughout their generations. So God commands Moses to make this labor of bronze, and which, like you said, is a big pot or a big bowl of uh, just filled with water. And it's to be placed right before the entrance to the holy place, right between the tabernacle of meeting, where we have communion with God, and the altar. And this teaches us that even though we're forgiven by faith in the blood of the sacrifice on the altar, there must be a washing away of anything that offends God in our lives continually. So you've already been forgiven, but there's going to be a continual washing for us. Now these priests, they were, we were told to make a, a sacrifice for them in our, our last study. We were talking about the priests and, and they got a blood sacrifice once for them and that, that means they were forgiven. But they always had to be washing. This is a different thing. This is a daily thing. It's not about forgiveness it's about a cleansing of their life, bringing in a holy life. 
And this holy life must be seen in God's servants. It's his will for you to live a holy life. It's, it's his desire, and he gives us a tool to see this desire, this will of God, done for you. It's done for you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says this. Peter says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. That verse means that this, all this stuff about the priests is not really about the priests. It's about you. You guys are being built up the spiritual priesthood, the real priesthood. The priests were just foreshadows of what you guys would experience. You guys get to go and offer real spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ, which means when you enter into that holy place, what you bring God is the best for him. He is so excited about it. But to get in there and to, and to stay there, you have to be holy, and that's what this bronze labor is going to help us with. So you are the priest now. You're expected to be holy, and this labor is going to teach us how to be holy priests. Nobody likes an unholy priest. Those are lame. Yeah. We'll get there. I'll answer that question. I know what you're going to say. And if I don't, you can ask it later. Okay. <laughs> Nobody likes a non-holy priest. We call them what? Hypocrites. Yeah? And, and nobody likes a priest who's a hypocrite. Well, since all of us are priests, if you're the hypocrite, you're the reason people are like, ah, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to. No, we don't want to see that. We need to be holy priests. This labor is going to help us understand how this works. God says, yeah, you have to be holy. And you know how I feel about that? Kind of scared because I don't want to be holy all the time. I struggle with holiness. Anyone with me? Oh, wait, so we're not all holy already? Wow, I wish there was some sort of tool that I could run on my desktop that would fix me. That's what this is. So let's check it out. Let's see how it works. Number one, this was made of bronze. Made of bronze. We've seen this before, haven't we? Bronze speaks of what? Judgment. Who said that? 32 Jesus points. Well done. That's interesting. Hmm, judgment. I thought our sin was already judged at the altar. Why would there be more judgment in our relationship with God at this point? It was. Your sin was judged at the altar, but this is a truthful look at your life. Jesus says, okay, I've forgiven you. I want you to come into my holy place to have communion with me. But before that happens, we need to have a real look at your life. And we're going to really look at every part of your life. And you're going to look me in the eyes, and I'm going to say, that's not okay, that's not okay, it's not okay. These parts of your life are sinful, and we need to deal with this. Okay? So judgment Jesus really looks at our life. Even though we've been forgiven, we are living in a world where we are constantly corrupted again. 
We're, we're, we, this whole world is corrupted, and so we fall short because of many reasons. The world influences us, and we're just like, I'm having a bad day because everyone's a jerk on the road. All right, Jesus knows that. But he's going to take a look because he's going to say, listen, the thoughts in your heart, the way that you're speaking, the way that you're acting does not line up with me. It does not glorify me. And we got to have a conversation about this, don't we? Hmm. For sure. Who said that? That's right. <laughs> so this tool is bronze because God sees and judges the kind of life that we're living. Even when we're saved, he knows that there's dirt on our hands and on our feet. Did you see that that's what the priests were supposed to wash? Their hands and their feet? So this bronze laver is like an inflexible, righteous standard that we are judged by. It's the inflexible righteousness of Jesus. He says, I'm perfect, and you are my priests, so you need to be perfect as well. And you're like, wait a second, I can't be perfect. We know this, okay? There's a second part to this whole bronze labor thing. He's the perfect son of God. He's absolutely sinless. And so he can and does recognize our failures and sin. And he says, I, I judge it. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. We have to take care of this. This is the diagnostic part of the antivirus software. It's, it's giving the list. These are all the things that are dirty and wicked and corrupted about your life. That's why it's bronze. Jesus says, I see it all, and I don't accept it. We're not, you're not going to live that life and think that you're just going to come into my presence all the time and, and just chill here. I love you, and I've forgiven you of this sin, but we have to deal with this. We have to, do, we have to change this. We have to transform this. We have to wash this. And so what does he do? He fills the bronze laver with water. Water. And water in the Bible speaks of what? Mm, that's oil, more. The word of God. The water is commonly a type and a picture for us of the word of of God. All throughout the Bible, there's so many verses that we could pull out that say the word, the water of the word, it washes, all these different things. So that's going to be the, the application. This is going to teach us what this means. So practically, the word of God will cleanse our lives of the sin that Jesus finds in us. Pop quiz Who is the word of God? Oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh. So you're telling me Jesus shows us what's wrong with us and then he fixes it for us. What a great Savior we have. What a wonderful Lord we have. It's just wonderful. This word of God, okay, this water, this is how the virus is removed from our software. God's Word is the thing that God is going to use to transform our daily walk into what God demands, God requires, into what honors God, a holy life. So let's look at this tool again because it reveals our problems and then it fixes us, fixes them for us. He doesn't just show us a perfect life and then leave us to struggle in our own efforts to reach it. 
even though that's what we try to do 99% of the time, don't we? First, the first thing we do, when, when we're convicted of sin, when we say, you know what, I, I, the Holy Spirit has showed me that I'm doing something wrong here, this isn't Christ-like, the way I'm behaving, what is our first natural in, impulse? Is to, is to say, either one, cover it up and pretend like it didn't happen, or number two, to say, okay, what am I going to do to fix this? That's a self-sourced, law-based, religious life. And it's not using the bronze laver. That's coming up to the bronze laver, being judged, and then saying, all right, let me go try to fix myself. And you're rubbing your dirty hands all over your body, getting yourself more dirty because you can't clean yourself because it's the word of God, the water of the word of God that cleanses, not you. This is so great. He doesn't just fix everything also behind the scenes so that we never learn how to receive his grace in a practical way. He doesn't just do it for us magically. You don't wake up one morning and say, ha, I don't want to sin anymore. I have no desire to do anything wrong. Come, cut in front of me. Take my lunch. Do all these things. I I am just so peaceful and zen. It, It doesn't happen that way either. God leaves the flesh with you when you're saved so that you have a horrific, dirty reminder every day of how much you need him and how much we need his water and his love to wash us. We need his presence because in his presence, we're going to get this washing. In his word, we're going to get cleansed. And that's why he leaves that flesh with you so that you don't just feel, I'm sufficient. I'm good. God changed me. I'm all good. I don't need to pray anymore. I don't need to wash in the water of his word anymore. I am so good. That's not how it works. God supplies the cure for the very thing that he condemns as evil. So is God really a meanie for telling you how terrible of a life you live? No. He's honest and says, you're pretty lame. But he's so loving in that he supplies the grace and the water to wash our, clean, our, our lives clean. He's so kind to not just say, you suck, I'm done with you. He says, you suck, and I love you, and I'm going to supply everything that you need through what? The word of God. The word of God. He's so merciful. So what do we do with this tool? How, do we, how are we supposed to interact with it? Well, our text said that Aaron and his sons were supposed to wash their hands and their feet in the water from it. That's what the text said. We are to use it. How? Um, I found this quote this week from uh, Arthur Pink. And uh, it says this. There must be a coming to him and a placing of our feet in his hands, a humbling of ourselves before him to ask him to cleanse our walk. Do you see why it's feet now? Because that represents our walk. Oh, my walk is kind of dirty. That's okay. Come and present yourself to the Lord through his word and he will cleanse your walk. Oh, my hands, the things I do, the way I serve, it's kind of dirty. I'm, I'm kind of, I've messed up. He says, that's okay. Come and present your hands to Jesus and his word will cleanse your hands and your feet. It's a simple 
action that we learn that Jesus is the cleanser of his people. Okay? It's a simple thing for us to say, I'm going to come to you because you are the cleanser, Jesus. Jesus, the word. You are the word. You are the water. You're also the bronze. Laver. You are everything. You judge me, but then you cleanse me. So come, do it for me. This is an act of faith. Saying, I'm going to come read the word in faith and ask Jesus to change my life. Some people read the word, but it's their duty. They feel like it's their job. They feel like it's required. Other people read the word out of desperation. Cleanse me. I depend on you. I trust you. I need you. And that's the, God sees the heart. So he knows how you're reading the word of God. And he knows and he accepts the one who comes in humility and in faith. So, why just the hands and the feet? There's a great story about this. You guys remember John chapter 13 and our boy Peter? Peter was so great. Um, Look what he says here. I'll read it to you, John chapter 13. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. Wait a second. Is that like a, a bowl? Whoa. Cool. And, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. That means a connection with me, a fellowship with me, communion with me. So Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he was bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And then he talks about Judas. So why just the feet? Why in Exodus just the hands? And feet, because this was symbolic of the work that Jesus will do for us every day. This is symbolic of the work Jesus will do. This is not symbolic of what you need to do. This is not what you need to do. This is not what you need to do. This is what Jesus will do for you. There's such a difference in our lives when we come to the word of God from thinking this is what I need to do to fix my life versus I'm going to come and present myself before Jesus. And as much as I twist and turn and wiggle, he is like, stop moving around. I am going to wash you. I love to wash you. I'm prepared to wash you. 
I love you so much. Bathing in the word of God is Jesus working for you. Jesus serving you. He loves to scrub off the dirt of the world from your life. The parts of you that make contact with this world that are corrupted by the way this world works and thinks, he loves to cleanse that from our lives. You're already saved and forgiven. That's not what we're talking about. His work is transformation. And he's going to do this work every day that you let him till the day you die. He is committed to you. He's committed to you through this. Come to me, he says. Read and sit back and let me wash you. Let me serve you. When you read this, you're going to ha- it's, first it's the bronze laver. First it's bronze. First you're going to be like, I failed. And you're going to be tempted to do what? Run. Right. Run away. Run away. But he's going to go after you, and he's going to keep saying, come, let me wash you. Peter, stop being an idiot. Let me do this. I'm here to serve you. Remember that this labor was at the entrance to the holy place. This is where the priests would eat the bread and pray and have communion with God in that, in that very uh, the tent that was called the holy place. And they were warned two times that if they don't wash, what would happen? They would die. They would die. Check this out. In 1 Corinthians, we get a really weird verse. 1 Corinthians 11.27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread, what did they do in the, in the holy place? They ate bread, right? Okay. Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let every man, let each man, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then he says, some people die, die, because they eat communion, but they haven't washed at the bronze laver first. They haven't allowed the Lord to search their heart. They're, they want the communion with Jesus without the relationship with Jesus. They want, they want to know Jesus and they want to talk to Jesus and they want the blessings that come from a relationship with Jesus without allowing him to search their hearts and without accepting his water to wash them clean. God says that's not going to happen because what happens when something unholy comes into the presence of something supremely holy? It is burnt up, it is killed, it is destroyed. God's holiness by itself destroys anything unholy. So if we want to come into his presence, you're looking at the death, maybe physically, but probably more the spiritual life will die. You will not experience the the joy and peace a, a living child of God will have. Your spiritual life will be just dead. That's not what we want. We want to be alive. This communion is a big deal, God says. And that's why he provides us antivirus software before we get into it. You ever gone into an important meeting 
which is dirt smeared all over your face. <laughs> you, you, you work in that industry, I know. And I'm sure that the person who you're meeting with was just disgusted. Just gross, right? You, you go into a meeting with an important person, you're going you're gonna to dress up a little bit. You're going to try to put your best on, right? Because why? That person, you believe that person deserves your best. And, and so you would put that on in order to give honor to the person that you're meeting, except Norm. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't actually talk to God much because I'm a little guilty about all the things I still do wrong. I know that I'm a failure. I feel ashamed to be in his presence, so I avoid him. Does that sound like anybody you know? Maybe I'm not even saved. That's how that progression of thinking goes. Yeah, I've trusted in the Lord. I believe in him, but I'm so ashamed of my behavior. I'm so ashamed of my failures. Maybe I'm not saved. That's not the right way to think. You were washed in the blood, now wash in the water. You've been justified, now let's focus on sanctification. Let's grow in the Lord. My favorite song from Reliant K off their album, Mm-hmm, is, I so hate consequences, but running from you is what my best defense is. Like We don't like looking at the bronze laver. We don't like the bronze laver looking at us. But God says, come, come, let me search you because I'm going to be the one that cleanses you. We are the ones who suffer when we don't have communion with God. We're the ones who suffer. And God is the one who keeps inviting us into his presence every day to enjoy communion. He even provides the tool for us to be clean in his presence. There must be, I'm going to read this quote again from, Arthur, from Pink where he says, there must be a coming to him and a placing of our feet in, in, and hands in his hands and a humbling of ourselves before him and asking him to cleanse our walk and our work. Okay, now look at this connection. What was this tool made out of? What was it built from? If you would fast forward in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 38, Verse 8, we're going to see this crazy... So the second, the, the last few verses, chapters of Exodus is Moses actually putting together all the things that we've learned about in chapters 25 through 30 that we've been spending the last few months on. We've seen all these different pieces of furniture, God giving the instructions to Moses, the blueprints. And it, once we get here into 38, we're going to see them actually fulfilling and building the blueprints. And it's so amazing what we see there about this specific piece of furniture. What do you guess it was made out of? In chap chapter 38, yeah, it was made out of bronze, right? But, but look at this. And he made the labor of bronze and its base of bronze from bronze mirrors. This is crazy. Bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Okay, so mirrors back in the day were not made like we think. We, they, they didn't have glass and that stuff. They were just highly polished fine metals and bronze being the most uh, popular. 
And that's what they made this bronze laver out of, was a bunch of mirrors. Now let's look at this, because this is kind of amazing. What do you do with a mirror? You look at your what? You look at yourself. Your own reflection. It's about self. You look at yourself. They're used to make yourself more beautiful. Is there some sort of stat that you look like four times more beautiful in a mirror than you do in real life or something like that? I don't know. But <laughs> So this mirrors were to, to make self more beautiful or to try and fix self. Some of us have more success than others while looking in a mirror. But now these instruments that were used for self are now given to God, surrendered to God, and now they're given to God, and he uses them to conform us and to shape us into his will and his shape. And now they can be used by God to show us truth, not just the way we see things, but actual truth. That's what happens when you surrender something to God's will is that he will use it for truth, what really matters. These mirrors just showed stuff, just stuff. But they needed to be exchanged for something that could not just show us stuff, but provide a solution. So these mirrors were beaten and reformed into a bowl, a big bowl. And this big bowl could hold water. And the water would actually be able to clean all the stuff that the mirrors used to just show us. It's crazy. James chapter 1, verse 23 says this. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, in other words, you just hold up the mirror and see the stuff instead of actually getting cleansed by the word, the water of the word, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror and he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, or we'll say washes in it, is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This is the one who will be blessed in what he does, James says. It's all the same stuff. You want a life that is free from the dirt of this world? It's the water of the word that can do this, not just a mirror. The law, God's standard, what we fail to keep all the time is simply a mirror. The law without the gospel is just cruel. It just says, you're terrible. You're not, you're not good enough. You're, you're dirty. That's what the law says. But when we beat and transform that law into a bronze laver, it holds water and the grace of Jesus, which can actually transform us and wash what the law showed us. Do you see how it all works? It's amazing. A mirror relies on self. You're popping a zit on your own when you're looking at a mirror, right? It's your sight. It's your coordination. It's your effort that is trying to affect change on your body. But the water of the word works a different way. It's something you just accept and receive. 
Who is the one who scrubs you? Jesus. Jesus is the washer. Jesus is. Jesus is the one who can see our faults and is willing to wash them. It's so good. We just sit there in humility and faith and let his word do its work in us. A hearer is one who knows Jesus could clean them, but a doer is one who actually sits down and lets Jesus do the washing. Okay? Asking for it. Jesus, wash me. Delighting in it. Jesus, you're washing me. Engaging with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me. Humility is what we always talk about. And that's saying, Jesus, I'm dirty. Faith is saying, Jesus, wash me again. So you failed for the millionth time when you woke up this morning. Jesus is not tired of his job. And his job just so happens to be washing you day after day. And he loves doing it. He cherishes you. You are his precious child. And he is so willing to meet you day after day. Where? In the word of God. He loves to wash you with this. So what does this mean to me today? I think God has already been speaking to us, but I wanted to give an offer like a warning. Pride will keep us from this. Okay? Pride is what will keep me from washing every day. Why didn't you read the Bible? Not because you were too busy. That's not the reason. Not because... Well, I could come up with a lot of reasons, but not because of those. Really, when you get down to the bottom, the real reason we didn't read the Bible, we didn't abide in his word, is because of pride. Some examples. Pride says, I don't need to soak in the word. I'm just fine. I'm doing okay. I'm not that dirty. So we avoid being in God's presence because we know deep inside we smell. So we have this pride that things were okay, but the Spirit doesn't let us in God's presence. We try to go into God's holy of holies, and there's just this invisible barrier, and nothing is working between us and God because we refuse to deal with our dirty, smelly feet. We don't want to spend time in His Word. Pride says, secondly, I can decide for myself what God should accept in my life. I'm going to be the judge of what makes me dirty or clean. So what happens then is we avoid the bronze labor. The searching judgment of Jesus' eyes of fire is pretty scary. And so we instead run from God's presence so we can keep doing what we want and what we know probably offends God. Pride is the reason. Number three, pride says I'm forgiven by Jesus. Now let me show you how good I can clean myself up every day. Have you ever seen a child try to wash their own face like a little two-year-old? And they got mud. You're like, go wash your face. And they come back and it's just smeared everywhere because they're terrible at washing themselves. They don't know how to use mirrors yet. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Pride doesn't work. 
because we can't do it ourselves. We're insufficient. Pride says, you will never wash my feet, like Peter said, right? But what was Jesus' response to him? Let me, Peter. I desire for you to have real and true communion with me, and this is the only way. This is the only way this is going to work. You have to come to me. You have to sit there and let me do this or you have no part with me. You have no fellowship with me. You're not going to be able to go into the holy presence and have the communion, eat the bread, and have the prayer and the worship. It's not going to work. Peter, it won't work any other way except through my word. All right, fast forward a billion years. When we get to heaven, guess what? Revelation chapter 22 says, Then he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and from the Lamb. We look at that and we're like, wow, I wonder what that's symbolic of. Let's, let's change that and say, that's the real thing. Everything we just studied is foreshadowing that. Which means the heavenly reality is a laver that's not just a bowl, but it's a river of water, refreshing and cleansing for all of eternity, never running out, never, you know, running out because it's sourced from Jesus himself. And it's available to each and every child of God to just frolic in. His cleansing never ceases. And you hold, guys, you hold, a portion of that river from Revelation in your hands today when you pick this up. You hold that river. It is flowing spiritually. There's rivers of water flowing. What did Jesus say? If any man's thirsty, come to me, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is refreshing. This is cleansing. This is transforming. Your homework this week is to read Psalm 119. It's like a million pages long. But just abide there. And when it talks about the word, every time it talks about the law and the word, every verse, I don't know if you knew this or not, but every verse, all 100 million verses in that psalm, has a reference to the Bible, the word of God in it. It's like, cleanse me according to your word. I love you according to your word. All those different verses, they, every single one of them is about the word of God. And that's what we just studied. The Word of God is the tool that actually deletes the viruses from our heart. So your homework is not really homework. I hope it's your heart work, where you're just, that's really cheesy, but go with it. Nailed it. (laughs) Say, Jesus, I need you to cleanse me. Jesus, I trust you to cleanse me through your Word. I guarantee your life will not look the same afterwards. Do this daily. Do this moment by moment. His word works. So that's our study for today. Would you guys all stand with me? I know that was longer and I appreciate your patience. We're going to worship Jesus. Uh, We don't have a communion set up today and that's just fine. Yeah, take It's just fine. Um, So today before you leave, I want you to take someone aside. I don't care who it is. And during these two songs, it's perfectly fine to do this during these two songs. 
And I want you to ask them, how can I pray for you? And I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. I want you to pray for them. One person. This is, we are the, the body of Christ here, and no one should leave here without having their needs prayed for. Okay? We all have tough lives. We got difficult things going on. And you are loved and you were called by God to be here and he somehow made a way for you to show up here today. So we want to surround each other with love and care for each other. That's what real communion is. We're with God, but we're also also with each other. And uh, so I challenge you all to find someone, ask them, how can I pray for you? And put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them 